Well, Mark, I'm uh, very happy to be here with you today to talk about our uh, work together. Uh, we've known each other over 10 years, and uh, I am uh, thrilled that we are now kind of joining forces to help companies that are either uh, in distress or that want to grow more and help them uh, with their leadership uh, strength and also with their ability to uh, really engage the people in their company so their culture becomes a competitive advantage. And you I know, know it's we're both uh, aligned on that. Well, it's interesting to know each other for so many years and not realize, you know, the, the, the synergistic aspects. At the same time, the differences that, you know, the way we approach things. Um, and how well, that's right. Uh, you've been a CPA for a long time and been in that uh, ecosystem. Well, uh, I my first career was as a clinical psychologist and I got a PhD in business at UCLA and, and then really dug into business. I was hired by the chairman of Xerox to uh, spread the word about what they call the office of the future, but it's just what we're using today. So uh, I'm so pleased future, that we are. Uh, so the future is here, you know. The future is, has been here for a while, yeah. Well, you know, both of us had had, I had a minor in psych. And obviously, it's nothing compared to having a PhD in psych. Um, where did you find psychology brought the most to you in your, in your business-related <clears throat> business um, activities? Well, just to be clear, uh, I got a PhD in business. I got a master's in psychology. And then I practiced for a while. And then a mentor of mine said, you should go to the business school because you can learn to help thousands of people rather than just a person, a couple, or a family at a time, and I did that. And then I helped the, um, the Xerox company. Um, they had purchased a computer company down here in Southern California in El Segundo. And uh, the chairman, Peter McCullough, had sent in a group of copier executives from Rochester to run the place. And uh, after a while, the business, which was very lucrative, started to lose money. So uh, the dean had seen me on uh, TV with some of his uh, famous professors defending a drug abuse prevention program I had started as a to to accelerate my uh, getting a getting into the PhD program in clinical psych. And uh, what I saw there was uh, I, I loved uh, being a clinician. I loved helping uh, people and families, but I really was drawn to the idea of being able to help thousands of people by changing the culture and by improving the quality of their work life. So that's what I did at Xerox. It was a powerful uh, uh, postgraduate uh, kind of education. And uh, I did other things besides uh, introduce them to the what they call the office of the future. Uh, Xerox had never intended to commercialize computers. They wanted to charge people to move data around the world because they knew their products were going to be connected. And uh, I also did succession planning for the top, or my department did the top 400 people around the world. I was uh, active in corporate social responsibility, to uh, which I'm still active in today, helping to uh, deal with this climate crisis. So um, 
how, uh, let's go back to Xerox a little bit. Um, sure. Because I've run into it a couple, I ran in a couple, several times in my career, in particular, my late partner, Gloria, uh, was also trained in the Xerox sales way and it was a very conscious company. Um, could you could you speak to that as it relates to culture? Sure. Uh, well, uh, Peter McCullough was a global statesman way ahead of his time. Uh, he believed in four things, uh, serving the customers, serving the employees, serving the shareholders, and serving the communities in which we operated. And uh, he said those priorities may change daily or hourly or weekly, but it's an important focus that uh, has been with me ever since. Uh, I also learned uh, things that uh, I guess ingrained in me, like don't just settle a lawsuit if you feel you or the company is in the right, uh, because you don't want to be taken advantage of. And we are in a very litigious environment these days, have been, but more so now. Um, and I certainly believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, it's a, it was a very important part of Xerox then, and it's been something I have uh, honored in my work with clients ever since. So uh, I guess the, the simple answer is I have believed uh, and still use my clinical skills when I'm working with leaders and their teams, because there is a lot of overlap between how a person uh, applies their personality uh, to their leadership. It's like a Venn diagram. That's uh, a lot of overlap. So the, the client I just finished with a few minutes ago uh, is having some difficulty uh with his partners and uh it's it's sort of like what in clinical work we call an attachment disorder uh and he's uh, slowly building up his uh, inner strength and uh beginning to ask for uh, what he needs and wants for the company not for himself and he's making good progress but it is uh, my clinical skills i think that are helping shape uh, the progress he's making, as well as my business skills. Um, you know, um, often, you know, I come out of the CPA world and the certified management consultant world. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we hear it's, you know, partner confrontation, not getting along. Um, people having different ideas, um, which can be good, bad, or indifferent. Um, when an owner leader talks like this um, or brings this up, where do you think it comes from? Um, frustration, inability, communication, um, lack, of, yeah. lack of training. Um, I mean, lack what are some of trust. things I think trust is the. I think trust is the foundational uh, component of a relationship, uh, and conflicts usually come out of misunderstandings, uh, maybe well meant, but not well listened to. 
I also believe that uh, relationships are the medium, the foundation through which everything is accomplished. And uh, having studied neuroscience for the last number of years, it's pretty clear to me that a lot of people are operating out of their fear uh, rather than their prefrontal cortex. Uh, and when people are driven by their amygdala, the sort of lizard brain, as some people call it, they are very reactive. And uh, when they learn to switch, uh, calm themselves and uh, be able to really engage their logical thinking, their emotionally intelligent behaviors, they're much more likely to succeed. By the way, conflict needn't be bad. Uh, as uh, many people have found that knowing how to engage so that you separate the issue from the personalities involved, which is one of the things that uh, we teach, Mark, it's so important because that ability to come up with uh, conflicting ideas and then resolve them is really the source of innovation and creativity, which drives companies forward. Well, you know, one of the things uh, that synergized us to do more work together was that we both looked at the interaction, the psychology, the, the communication aspects and realize that um, oftentimes advisors don't look at <clears throat> how much the leaders reach down and how much the leaders below try to reach up. In other words, are they really reaching reaching to each other in a way that allows them to, to synergize? Um, I would say, that I tend to be more <clears throat> working up and I have, you know, kind of saying that you're working more down, you're coming down from the board level and I'm coming up from the operational level, the systems level. Not that we don't do both, but um, you want to speak to that in another way? Sure. I, I think it's a good synergy that we have, Mark. Uh, you know, what I find is that uh, the leaders set the tone, not a particularly revolutionary idea. And uh, if the tone that they set is open, collaborative, builds trust, and deals with uh, miscommunication in an open and direct way, you're going to have a company that's more resilient, uh, able to uh, react to external circumstances, more quickly and appropriately. Uh, you know, just like individuals, companies can become very neurotic and uh, very uh, misaligned. And that is a, a sure sign of serious problems. Whereas the opposite, if the company learns to operate uh, in a high performing manner, which is high trust, high collaboration, uh, being able to create ideas uh, in a healthy uh, dialogue, meaning they bounce up uh, their ideas, but they don't let that determine uh, their, or, or uh, dilute their trust. 
then that culture becomes, as I said before, a competitive advantage. And it's been researched and really proved many, many times that companies who are able to operate in a high-performing manner will outperform their competition about three to one. So there's a really uh, powerful economic reason to do better and be more conscious. You know, I know you and I, Mark, talk about the difference between conscious leadership and unconscious leadership. Right. Because being self-aware is really the starting point of people being able to uh, be more effective because they're more uh, self-aware and have greater empathy for others. Well, realizing that other people, you know, value you, value the company, value what's happening, and that. Your accountability is to rise to that expectation of your customer and your community. And as you said, the employees, you know, go back to the four points you mentioned about, you know, you mentioned about Xerox. When you're talking to an owner or a set of owners or managers, um, how do you address that accountability? Um, maybe early on. Uh, because it's going to come up anyway, right? It's going to come up the accountability, the, <clears throat> the desire to to rise above. So when do you when do you bring that up? Well, I typically allow it to evolve, but I'll give you a quick story. So uh, the VCA chain of veterinary clinics has been a client for a long time, as you know, and uh, they also really are community veterinary hospitals. So they're very active in the communities that they operate in. Uh, and their employees are engaged with those community members doing uh, good things, whether it's a food drive or uh, rescuing animals and putting them in no-kill shelters. Um, and the customers benefit because they feel this connection to that uh, neighborhood vet. Uh, and one of the benefits of being with VCA is the uh, Mayo Clinic standard of veterinary care. So it's a win-win-win, a win for the pets, a win for the communities, and a win for their customers. And uh, I'm very proud to have uh, helped them uh, in a number of ways over the years become a stronger company. Uh, you may know they were purchased by the Morris family. So went from a publicly traded company to a private company. And uh, one of the things we've done is create a leadership development program so their uh, high-performing uh, mid-career leaders can rise up uh, and meet the growth that uh, Mars is expecting of them. And it's going very well. Oh, congratulations. So it's a, another example where people first, uh, rather than other aspects of business really work because when the people are really engaged, they're well uh, taken care of by the company and each other, uh, the business will thrive as well. Well, obviously you have to have the right product, right services as, as well. You know, you mentioned culture early on and, and um, Culture is a word, it's, you know, cultures for our 
<clears throat> our countries, we have cultures for our businesses, cultures for community service. Um, I hate to put you so much on the spot, but what are the three or four okay. major cultural components that you would you would identify as you're working with a client? Well, first of all, it's the values of the company. So a uh, company I've been working with for a while, we helped refresh their values. Uh, and the things that are most important to many companies are uh, accountability, doing what you say you're going to do, when by when you're going to do it, or letting the people know in advance that something has come up and then remaking that commitment. Uh, trust, very important. Uh, people need to trust each other to uh, say it like it is and not uh, prevaricate or uh, shade the truth. Uh, that's the part of the culture. Another thing is the ability to serve customers in a transparent way. You know, if something's going to be late, you tell them. Uh, you work with the customer and their requirements. Uh, that's an important value. And then also how uh, the employees feel safe, cared for, and uh, supported is an extremely important part of a culture. So it's the values, it's the norms, and the behaviors that make up a distinctive culture, much like a, a thumbprint. No two cultures are alike, and uh, their individuality gives them strength because they own it. They feel a part of a community that's uh, larger than themselves and being of service. You know, people want meaning and purpose in their life, as you know, Mark. And when they find that at work, it's an added uh, accelerant to their success and to the success of the businesses that they are a part of. It also helps the customers feel a greater sense of trust and active mutual support because you want your customers to be uh, part of your community uh, and to feel like they're being served in a way that gives them value for the services and products that you're offering. So culture really becomes kind of a foundational element for any company. Uh, and the ones that pay attention to it are the ones that do better. And that's uh, research has proved that time and time again. Well, um, I have like one more question and that is that if there was an individual listening to this um, dialogue of ours here, um, uh, what would you like to <clears throat> leave uh, a business owner or um, to consider? You know, the five things you just you just mentioned about basically you're talking about involvement, walking your talk, being there, not just your employees being there, but owners and all stakeholders involved. Um, it's what a would, good question. What would, say, what would what would you say to that person to to open them up to the possibility that maybe there's another way to look at things, or there's an expanded way to look at things in their in their business? Well, you know, I think it's always good to have a sounding board. When I was a clinician, I had a you know I went to my own uh, psychologist to bounce ideas off her and to learn uh, from others. 
And I think business owners and operators uh, need a, a conciliary, need a counselor, need someone that they can talk to freely and openly uh, about anything. And one of the things that you and I offer is that safe space, is that ability to really listen, to really understand the depth and nuances of a person's uh, ownership or leadership and the company that they uh, are leading, and to give them an opportunity to learn. One of the greatest things that uh, I think as human beings we have, it's hardwired into us, is the desire to keep learning. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, well, I finished school, I don't need to learn anymore, and that's just nonsense. Um, particularly in the fast-paced business we, world we live in today, uh, the quicker a company learns and applies what they learn, the more success they'll have against their competitors. So uh, being learning-focused, uh, which is one of the things that we help our clients do, uh, really adds value, but keeps on giving. Because well, once uh, you add learning in an organization, there's a hunger for it. Well, you know, the, um, the title of our podcasts are always creating value. So I think that, that that says it right on because, you know, a lot of businesses get very successful and then they they come to believe that they've arrived. You know, they've reached a mm. certain point that... You know, like yeah. it's a journey and we've gotten to the top of the mountain and we don't have to do anything anymore. You know, we've whatever. But the truth is, just like you said, you got to continually learn. And as you grow, like businesses do grow, it just gets more challenging and more challenging and more challenging. So you got to yeah. be doing that value creation. So, Tom, thank Absolutely. you very much. This has been good to see you again. I haven't seen you in and a bit. Yes, and it's good to see you too. Thank and you, uh, I really appreciate uh, this experience. Thank you.